And once you've heard the stories, um, you they stay with you and you actually see the person through a different lens. It's like, um, it's like what Brene Brown says, it's hard to hate someone up close. So once you get to know up close and you get to hear their stories and you understand their context, uh, it, get, it, puts, it, it puts them in an entirely new light. Uh, and where that translates to is a far more productive work relationship. Hi, my name is Anita Novak, and I'm the author of this book. Welcome to season 12 of Purposeful Empathy, a show that is dedicated to amplifying the voices of people from across the globe who understand that the world needs more empathy and are doing something about it. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the show. Welcome to a new episode of Purposeful Empathy. Today I'm joined by Noah Godfrey, who is an entrepreneur and founder of The Real Human Project, a private podcast for teams to tell their stories and connect on a human level. Launched in 2020, his mission is to help cultivate more meaningful and productive relationships. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm very excited about this. Okay, so let's start with the basics. What is the real human project? How does it work? The nuts and bolts, and then we'll ask why it's important. Sure. Uh, so it's based on the on the insight that the that the highest performing teams are those that have high on the trust scale and on the empathy scale and on the psychological safety scale. And the real human project aims to help organizations and their teams. Um, become a lot more productive uh, and have better relationships uh, through a private podcast. So what we do is we go to each organization. We start with one or one to three teams. Uh, we go to each person on that team and we uh, do a private podcast for each of those people. Each person gets their own episode about what makes them who they are. They're interviewed by a bot. Our bot, his name is Sam. Uh, so an AI, and that bot asks you questions all about the things that make you who you are. Uh, some of those things are about work. Um, tell me about a time uh, in work that you felt you like, like you really grew, or uh, what do the people at work need to know to get the best out of you? Some of it's personal stories about your parents or the neighborhood you grew up in, moments you struggled, uh, moments you really thrived and you found you found real fulfillment. Um, do you like cake or ice cream? All the important things in life that make you who you are. And, um, and it's a chance for people to tell their stories. And then we, we, we edit it down to a nice, succinct 20 minute episode where everyone has their own episode. Uh, and once they approve their episodes, they have full control over the content. They can skip questions and they can pause and think about their question. We edit it to make them sound uh, their best authentic self. And then um, those episodes are shared amongst the, the teammates. Everyone gets a chance to listen. And then they leave a private voice reply, uh, a private response back to the, the person who, whose interview it was, letting them know how their episode and how their stories resonated with them. Uh, and that's where the real magic happens. That, that validation that I hear you, I feel you, I see you. Wow, I didn't know this about you. I now understand you better. Um, and then, uh, and then after everyone listens, the teams often get together and have a, an in-person debrief and we, uh, and we help them structure that as well. Um, and then once one team does it in an organization, uh, it tends to move to other teams as well. Uh, and they find it really easy for when, um, makes it really easy when, for when new teammates join, when 
for onboarding and integrating new new employees onto the team. They find it really useful for cross-functional work uh, as they work in between teams uh, and just generally building a healthy culture of um, of trust and empathy across an organization, which all the research shows leads to much better business performance, profitability, shareholder returns, everything. Oh, so cool. Okay, so there's so many follow-up questions I have because the first kind of reaction I had is an AI chatbot that's asking these questions. I mean, I guess we're hearing a lot about AI and you know, ChatGPT, and so that's like out there. Obviously, this is another application. I have my own personal uh, memory uh, being at McGill at a conference where, you know, 200 faculty members were gathered to brainstorm what would be needed from a university in the year 2050, like what would students need in 2050? And the first um, presentation was a multidisciplinary team that brought a computer, dragged a computer that was sitting on a, on a table on, into the front of the room. And then one of the team members sat in front of it. They flipped on the computer. The computer became like this hologram. Uh, the researcher started sharing a story. The hologram responded, said, so what I hear you saying is, and it was kind of like talking like a therapist and the the room literally, this is about, I don't know, eight years ago, 10 years ago. Now the room split into two. You could hear the two sounds of gasps. One sound of gasp was like, Oh, how cool. And the other sound was, Oh my God, how terrible. Right? Like it was really a, a, a complete bifurcation. And I continue to situate myself in the ladder where it's like, no, we can't have pixelated face pretending to be a therapist, but their feedback was, well, you know what? There's not enough therapists to go around for the need that exists. Don't we want to have at least, you know, a chat bot available when somebody's in a crisis? So I understand the application of all this um, AI, uh, even though I feel like it's infiltrating sort of personal spaces. So here's an example where storytelling has been pro a profound and never changing human experience. We've been doing it since the dawn of time. It's so important to us. And yet it's a machine that we're talking to. So how, what do you say to those, the naysayers like me, like, ah, ah I don't blame you. Uh, so we started the Real Human Project with a real, with real life podcast hosts that would sit and interview people. Um, and it, and it worked. It was great. It was, and it was just a, you know, we'd give them a list of questions and sometimes they'd stick to the script and, uh, and we got great stories and we went to go roll that out and, and we could do that as a business that would require us to charge several thousand dollars an episode to produce and to make it happen. We now can, uh, can produce an episode and charge $495 uh, for an episode. So everyone gets their own, own episode for $495. And to be honest, our, the question was when we first started tested was how much worse is this going to be? Mm -hmm. It's going to be worse. How much worse is this going to be? And the answer, shockingly, is it's actually not worse. And in some cases, it's actually better. Mm. And the reason that is, is because we find that people feel comfortable and sometimes even more comfortable when there's not another human sitting there. So they ask a question, they're going to ask a question, and they can pause. And they can sit there and sometimes they pause for 30 seconds or a minute, which is really hard to do in, in a live interview when someone's, when, when someone's live is interviewing, interviewing you. Um, 
it's hard to skip a whole bunch of questions saying pass, pass, pass. You feel rude. Uh, it's hard to start over again. Um, and it's actually really easy to let your guard down when you don't feel like you're being judged in the moment. And so what we get are people who open up and they tell stories about things that they don't normally talk about. Um, and when we ask them about it, say like you talked about this time where you had ovarian cancer in your 20s and how it completely changed the way you think about life. Is that something you talk about often? I say, no. Uh, we say, why? And they say, well, a couple of reasons. One, it's uh, no one ever asks. And two, it's weird. It's weird for me. I feel awkward bringing that up in a, in a conversation when I'm speaking to someone live because now I'm putting my my, you know, my history, my struggles onto them. And they, in the moment, need to react with some sort of uh, empathy or reaction. And sometimes that's putting them in an uncomfortable position. So what we found with the Real Human Project is actually by speaking to a bot, we have, we have hacked human connection. We have, ha we have found a shortcut for people to be open and vulnerable and safe and for people to share their stories and, and tell their stories. And on the flip side, listen to those stories because I'm listening to it asynchronously as well. You've told your stories. It's now in an episode. I'm listening in the, in, you know, while I walk my dog or the comfort of my office or my home. Um, and I don't feel, I, I, I don't feel the, the, the need to react and show with facial expressions or with words in the moment, how I feel, I can literally be in the moment and actively listen to that person's story because I can't interrupt. So we found this, this weird paradigm, paradox, I should say, uh, where you actually have asynchronous communication where people feel safe in that private asynchronous space as a way to really create more meaningful human connection. So have you tested out the idea of, you know, doing like a screening where like a team will each have their stories recorded and then all of them are watched at the same time and everyone is around to watch them versus everybody going out and listening to them on their own? Uh, early stages. So it's a podcast. There's no video. There's no video. It's all just no video. Uh, people feel comfortable. It's a little easier uh, when you're when you're just producing audio. Um, and, uh, it really is about, uh, the improving one-to-one -one relationships. So this, if you're a manager of a team and you are, and there are six people on the team, sometimes you think you're managing six individual people, actually you're managing 15 one-to-one -one relationships. And so what we are, what we aim to do is to strengthen, make more meaningful, make more productive each of those 15 relationships on a team and then once that team does it across across an organization. So the ability for people to actively listen on their own, in their own time, asynchronously without other people around where you're now thinking about how are they reacting? Should I be reacting? Like that person's laughing, should I be laughing? We find that uh, when you can fully focus on, on listening and being in the moment, we get the best results. Cause at the end of the day, it's really just about building stronger relationships and what we found is that people uh you know what we we see it with people who are you know new to a team and they say to us i feel like i would have had to go out and, and you know have dinner and drinks for you know two years straight with this person to to get this 
the type of relationship and understanding and context I now have this person after a 20 minute episode. So we've really found a way to shortcut that, uh, that getting to know you phase and that I really understand you phase. So um, I can imagine on the heels of having heard these different stories, there's a little bit of a revelation like, wow, I'd never knew that about that person. And then it kind of humanizes your, 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 your colleagues and maybe even um, either a direct report or somebody that you, you know, you supervise. Um, what, ha what have people who have participated said maybe months later, have you heard any anecdotal stories about how it's really changed the kind of culture and or dynamics of the team? Definitely. Yes. So what we find is uh, we get, and it's often from leaders or heads of, of human resources who say, We've tried, you know, we try these things like we either go on and off site or we do karaoke night or ox throwing or we do a ropes course. And it's fun the day of, but then it, there's a gravity to the situation. And months later, it doesn't, you know, where everyone's just kind of back to their old practices. And then they, they realize, they think to themselves, is that, you know, is that really a good use of our time? Was that really a good use of our money? For us, we find that uh, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And once you've heard the stories, um, you they stay with you, and you actually see the person through a different lens. It's like um, it's like what Brene Brown says: it's hard to hate someone up close. Mm -hmm. So once you get to know up close, and you get to hear their stories, and you understand their context, uh, it get, it puts it, it puts them in an entirely new light. Uh, and where that translates to is a far more productive work relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all that time that is spent um questioning each other's motives or work uh what happens when you have you got it i trust you uh you know it get work gets done you know meetings team meetings don't suck anymore uh you actually walk you know you walk to work you wake up in the morning with actually a sense of like safety and levity because you have this real deep connection with the people you work with uh, and you see them beyond their title. They're not just, you know, head of product or, you know, senior engineer or, or junior designer, junior, junior designer. They are, um, you know, they are Anita. They are Noah. We how are many, people here. How many questions are in your library of questions that your bot asks? Uh, thousands now we have thousands of questions in there so every interview is every episode is different okay there's some that tend to overlap uh and we've it's this started as anita this started as a side project right at the beginning of covid um my uh you know my business partners and i we were just playing you know it was it was the idea of what happens uh if we just ask us like a random person some questions could we get to know them better and it kind of started from the idea of if I always thought it would be weird if I was uh, if I was trapped in an elevator with my with one of my favorite podcasters because I would know them really well, but they'd have no, no they they know nothing about me. Mm. So I thought, well, what would happen, you know, if, if if that was just a random person? Could we get to really get to know them really well? And so we hired um, a guy in Edmonton, Alberta, who was a podcaster and got him to interview a guy who was a furniture maker. We gave him a bunch of questions. He kind of took it in his own direction as well. And the thought was, like, can we get this to work? And we tried it a whole bunch of times. And the answer was yes. 
it's amazing that when you ask the right questions and you make people feel safe and you encourage them to be vulnerable and you give them control over their own edit, that you can really, really get to know the nuts and nuts and bolts of someone that sometimes for sometimes there's people you've known for years, sometimes decades, and you still don't know them as well as you know them after a 20 minute real human episode. Well, I love this. I imagine that there's also applications within families, like multi-generational and that you can start keeping films about all the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents. Is that starting to happen too? It is. It is. I mean, what we noticed is that we ha- we happen to be focused on work teams, but um, but it works for any group of people. When you put a, people together in a room that have some sort of vested interest in each other, understanding each other on a more human level always helps improve those relationships and make them more meaningful. So whether that is a hockey team or a rock band or a, you know or a, a family or a you know a grade nine classroom uh, or a, a team that's you know running a fortune 500 company they mm-hmm. all need trust and and safety and empathy and you always get better results when you when you add that to mix it is trust and empathy is the silver bullet Hey, I don't mean to interrupt a great conversation. I just want to draw attention to the fact that there are over 120 equally awesome conversations of my podcast and YouTube series on my channel. Please subscribe. The world needs more empathy and you have a role to play. So let me ask you, as somebody who's now in this space, uh, when you go to a cocktail party or you're meeting somebody for the first time, you know, the typical question is, what do you do? Do you have any back? pocket questions now from the work that you do that you find much more interesting? I'm definitely more, um, I'm a better listener. To be honest with you, I, it's, I think a part of this comes out of the fact that I'm not naturally empathetic. Uh, and I grew up in a, in a family where it just, you know, empathy wasn't the you know, forefront of my life growing up. I'm very fortunate to, um, to marry a woman who is, you know, says that she was raised by both her mother and Oprah. And, um, and, and I, I quote Oprah all the time where everyone just wants to feel like they matter. And so it is absolutely incredible when you can go to a cocktail party or be in any sort of setting and actually get yourself into that mindset of which I, I can sometimes, I, you know, I still get stuck in my own ego sometimes, my own you know, my own story in my own head, but the moments where you can, um, you can let that go and truly have real purposeful empathy are the moments that um, are, are worth it, are worthwhile in life. And so I, I, I practice, but you know, empathy is like a muscle. You gotta, you gotta practice it. It's not, and for, and for people like me, it, it does, you know, I am not a natural empath. So I need to, uh, I need to work at it and I work at it because it is amazing. It is, it is, it is like the magic fairy dust. So you've become a better listener as a result of this, but I'll just push you again. Are there a couple of favorite questions that your bot asks that you think are great um, openers? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, we open lightly. So we open with somewhat easier questions, often things that people can reach at quickly. Uh, about often about childhood or family or the neighborhood they grew up in uh, that get people talking and loose. Uh, I think we get great answers 
to questions like, uh, tell me about a time in your life you found real fulfillment. Uh, I think we get great answers to times when we ask about um, things like, when's the last time you cried? Because uh, you can see like people's real priorities in life. Uh, we ask we get really good answers to um, who's the most successful person you know and why. Because you can see them go through a, a process live as we speak to them where they want they, their immediate they immediately think well success is usually with like with money or some sort of material good and then they stop themselves and then they, they they're as they define set success in, in the moment and then they it turns into a very self-reflective uh time but i think well this is this is how i'm living my life so when people come out of their real human interview, we kind of go through phases. They do, they go into the interview and they, they're feeling a little hesitant at first, um, a little skittish, like what's this going to be? They come out of the interview. They love their interview. They actually find it almost therapeutic. They get a chance to talk about themselves for, for an hour that we ended up cutting down to 20 minutes. And then they hear each other and they, they thought the interview was good, but they love hearing each other and getting to know the ins and outs they would never would have heard. But then the, 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 amazing, the, the thing that they love more than anything are the responses, the private responses. And to be honest, I expected when we first started doing responses, they'd be like a voicemail, 30 seconds, a minute. Oh, thank you for sharing, Anita. That was great. I didn't know that story about your, your mom. You know, I also had a story, about that sort of thing. We're now seeing eight minutes, nine minutes. There was a response left yesterday, 12 minutes long. People are sitting there and they are, um, they're taking notes, they're enjoying, the, they're, they're really actively listening, and then they are connecting on a really deep level. Now, they're not all 12 minutes. Some of them are two minutes or three minutes, and that's totally fine too. But people are finding real meaning and purpose and, and connection through these, through these responses, through these, through these audio responses. Okay, so I know that you are a serial entrepreneur. You had a prior business, sold it in, what, 2015. I'm curious to know, because I always get asked the question, so I need to, well, my father <laughs> asked me the question, why are you getting a PhD in empathy? Like, how are you going to get a job with that? And um, I, I have a hard time kind of thinking about the work of empathy building or human connection building in your case, um, and, and then sort of like putting that into the shape of a business model that monetizes the scales that, you know, becomes a, a, a sustaining thing. What do you say to people who are interested in your business? You know, you're looking for investors, for example, how are you, what's the plan for this? I'm curious to know from the business side of things. And we may not put this in the final podcast. I might just ask, but let's see, you know? Yeah. So my philosophy on these sorts of things is if you can create value, whatever you're doing, whether you're selling a widget or offering a service or putting together a platform for people to share their stories uh, and get to know each other better, regardless of what you're doing, if you can create value uh, and then you have some sort of model where you can capture yourself part of that value, so you've given value, People feel like they are happy to pay you because they're paying you a fraction of that value. And so you're constantly, you're sharing that value. Uh, and then you can provide that value for less resources, less money than 
the money that you're accepting. And so consequently, there's this value chain where everyone wins. That's the secret to a good business. Uh, and um, I think we have it here. I think it's, I think we're, we're building it. Uh, I will say of all the things I've ever worked on in my life, and I've been very fortunate to work on things with some of the most talented people. I mean, I can imagine um, this has by, by far been the most meaningful uh, and rewarding project I've ever been on, been working on. And it's, we're, and we're still like, it's still new, you know, we're still like very early stage. We just started with our, you know, our first handful of paid clients uh, this year in 2023. So it's, uh, we've, you know, it's, it's been a project for a few years, but it, it was a project that was a, you know, a side project, a project of, of love, a project of passion, because I was curious and my partners and I, we, we were curious if there was a way to, to make the world and, and, and make, make, if we can create that value, we can make things better. We truly feel that there's a, um, a crisis, a, a real um, dearth of, of human connection out there. And it's actually gotten worse. I think the technology that was meant to bring us together as humans has made it in many ways so far has, has, um, has made us feel more lonely and more apart than ever. And I think as humanity, that's a, that's a challenge for us. You know, we are who we are as, um, as humans, we've become the dominant species on this planet because of our ability to collaborate and our ability to collaborate is completely tied to our, our empathy our ability to understand each other and work together. Uh, that's why, you know, we can sleep for eight hours at night because someone else is watching out for us. Right? That, that, that teamwork, that empathy, that collaboration has made us the dominant species on this planet. But if we, if, if, if we stop having empathy for each other and we stop um, trusting each other and we, and we retreat into our silos, there's a real problem for humanity. But I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that this is just a bump in the road and that we're going to, we, we learn and we learn from, um, you know, uh, we learn from our, our mistakes and we, and we innovate and we, um, and we innovate our way out of problems. So I'm actually, despite the fact that I think we are in a crisis of trust amongst maybe an economic crisis and coming out of a health crisis and maybe a social justice crisis, all these sorts of things. Um, I'm so optimistic that we can, that, that we will innovate our way out of it. And I think it's going to lead, we're going to innovate our way out of it through um, getting to know each other better, through trust, through empathy, through human connection. Um, and um, and because, because selfishly, that's what will make us survive and thrive as humans. Well, I love this. If we could find a way to scale it, because I could just imagine whether or not it's a new person moving on to a new block that would have access to the library of neighbors. I could imagine it, you know, new college students going into a dorm room, getting to know each other, like in a way that's not just a frosh when they're just putting down the beer bongs and stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of application. Obviously you're speaking to a converted. I'm going to include all of your information in the description show notes. Um, so people can, can learn more about, um, about this. Um, before I let you go, and I want to just thank you so much, Noah, for finding time today to have this conversation. I love ending all my conversations with my guests on with the same question. And that is, can you think of a time when you were on the receiving end of empathy and what that meant for you? Yes, 
as a fan of your podcast, mm -hmm. I knew this question was coming. <laughs> I don't know if I've got a great answer, but I knew the question was coming. So uh, I have three amazing kids. Uh, and when my oldest Chase, when she was, uh, when she was, she's now 16, but when she was a baby, seven or eight months old, there was, you know, new parents, you're worried. You don't really know what's going on. Uh, you know nothing about parenthood. But seven or eight months old, there was a moment where she just wouldn't stop crying. And it was unusual. We could tell something was, she was in pain. There was something going on. Uh, it kept going on. We ended up taking her to the hospital. And I texted a friend of mine just to get some, you know, which hospital do you think we should go to? He was, uh, he's a general surgeon. By the time he was a resident, he was a medical student resident working you know, 120 hour weeks, just not sleeping, working, working, nah, working, working his butt off. So uh, we went to the emergency room and we're waiting there. And then all of a sudden um, our friend Neil walked in and he, you know, he hasn't slept all week because he's a resident, but he walked in, he, this, was, this wasn't his hospital, but he walked in and he's like, I'm here. I got you. You know, he put his hand on, hand on my shoulder. And I got to make sure I don't get choked up here. But he put his hand on his I got you, brother. I'm here. And he was like, he was not only a friend, but he was also like our advocate because he understood, you know, what was happening in like in the ER that night. He could uh, he could help translate um, the back and forth and he could put us at ease. He could tell us what was a big deal, what wasn't a big deal, what we should be nervous of. And he was just there. And um to put yourself in the shoes of a new father and my wife, new mother, and uh, and and then really show up, really to you know when you haven't slept yourself, and just to be there for your friend uh, shows real empathy. And I, I carry that with me because I think it's a less. I think in many ways it's like it's moments like that that have inspired me to to like build this business because that moment made me a better person uh, and made me conscious of the, of the power of, uh, of caring for others and thinking about others and getting out of your own head. And so, um, so yeah, it really, it, it still it sticks with me to this day. And so, and he's still one of, he's, he's still one of my best friends. Well, that's a beautiful story and shout out to Neil and your daughter, who's now you said 16. Did we find out what the issue was? It, I mean, they thought it could be something, but it turned out to be nothing. So right. like it would probably gas or some, I don't know. It was yeah. something that was, now it turns out to be nothing. So thankfully. Thankfully, thankfully. Well, blessings to all of you and your three children. Oh my gosh, I have one and I don't know how anybody has more than one. But anyways, <laughs> I wish you nothing but success with this organization. Um, I, I think you. what we're onto is really, really important. Uh, the Real Human Project. Learn about it here. Thanks, Noah. Thank you all for watching and listening. And we'll see you next week at Purposeful Thank you so much for watching an episode of Purposeful Empathy. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the channel and also consider picking up your copy of Purposeful Empathy. It's an invitation to dial up empathy in your life. The world needs more empathy. We need more empathy. What are you waiting for?